0: and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. And God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. I love that final statement, is that Jesus sees us as we follow him. Jesus sees us as we attempt to live this life because sometimes life is hard, life is difficult. Life doesn't always go the way we thought. he's given these instructions he's helped us see the secret to how we live this life and trust him and follow him and know that he is always there for us no matter what here's the beatitude that we're having a conversation about today Matthew 5 verse 7 says blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy Now, mercy is more than just something that Uncle Jesse tells us to have in that show Full House that I grew up watching. It's also, I remember playing this game in middle school where you'd grab your friend's hands and try and spin them around or bend their hands back and they'd have to shout, mercy, so you'd stop. It's so much deeper than that. I want you to write these things down. First, I got the Webster's Dictionary definition of mercy for you. And then I got the C's get degrees definition for you if you're more like me. First thing is this, is that mercy is compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy or other person in one's power. Forbearance essentially means that you're giving up doing something that you're rightfully entitled to do, that you're laying down the fact that you can do this, you're entitled to it, there's even a reason for why you can do it, but you simply don't. And the definition I hope sticks with you this week is that mercy simply not giving someone what they deserve because we understand that in our life we deserved death but Jesus took that upon himself we understand that we deserve to pay for our sins but Jesus paid the price we couldn't pay we understand that we've been shown mercy because Jesus has given us life and forgiven us and set us free so that we could know hope today and we could experience God and find life-giving community The issue is today is that that's not what culture says. Culture says someone messes up, that's it, write them off. Culture says, hey, if someone did something wrong that we disagree with years ago, they get no second chance, they're done. We gotta knock them down, tear them down, destroy their character, all of the above. That has no place in the kingdom of God. That has no place in the followers of Jesus in our lives. We lead with mercy. We show mercy again and again and again because that's what God does in my life and your life again and again again. Now I want you to write this statement down and I really want you to think about it today before we pray and jump into the heart of the message is that we've become great judges of other sin but great lawyers of our sin. Think about that for a second. We've been great judges of others' sin that they commit against us or they commit. And we've become great lawyers of our sin in the sense that when we do wrong, we have a reason we can defend it. When others do wrong, we don't agree. We judge, we cast off, we condemn them. Well, today we're gonna really open our hearts and lean into what God has to say. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as that sentence, as that statement leads us in blessed are the merciful God we give you this morning we give you this conversation because we need you today God I know today is a big topic it's an important topic and so we're just going to listen and lean into what you have to say we pray that you would teach us lead us and guide us and help us truly learn and remind ourselves how much mercy we've been shown and how we are called to show mercy to those around us God, I'm so thankful to be here at church. I pray that you'd be with all of our local city kids next door for Kids Church. Bless our kids team as they create an amazing place for the next generation of kids who are gonna fall in love with you and fall in love with your son. We love you. And God, we're praying today, we need you to show up and continue to usher in the dominance of our Tampa Bay Lightning hockey team as we move on and win today. In Jesus' name, we all say and agree. Come on, give me a good amen. And I know, I know, again, we're praying for some things today. And as you can see, the last two games, maybe God's moving. Who knows? But I'm going to pray that he continues to move today. Now, think about that sentence I gave you at the very end. We've become great judges of others' sin and great lawyers of our sin. It reminds me of kind of an issue that I'm dealing with right now in my life. If you have kids or are about to have kids or want to have kids one day, One thing I would tell you to spiritually prepare yourself for is having to go through the troubling experience that is your school's car line. Having to wait in car line with parents who are trying to desperately get their kids, who you would think have no patience at all, and all they want to do is squeeze in the empty spot to get ahead of you or find some secret way to jump a bunch of cars so they can be the first one in and out of car line. Now, I've begun to experience this since my son Shepard's been going to school now for almost a year. He loves school. He looks forward to it. He's got amazing teachers, and he's just learning so many amazing things. But what I'm learning is that it's time for me to really check my mercy level when it comes to car line. I just got to be honest with you. I tell you that, hey, I got to learn the things, too, that we're having conversation about. And so in car line, how it works is you pull into this small parking lot for the kids who are under preschool, early childhood kids. You pull into this little parking lot, you walk in, get your kid, which I love seeing Shepard, run down the hallway, give me a big hug, makes me feel good. We walk to the car and then we head out. But on the leaving the car line parking lot, you can either turn left and turn right. But actually, there is a big sign that tells you you shouldn't turn left. Actually, when I look at road signs, I think it's not should or woulda, coulda, it's you have to follow what the sign says. And the sign says, no left turn inwards and with the arrow like marked out, like don't do it. And I look at it, I'm like, I'm going to follow those rules. But what happens is, there's someone who for every reason thinks that sign doesn't apply to them. And they're sitting there waiting to turn left and cars begin to back up behind them. Because they can't go, because they're getting blocked, because the other car line is going through, hence why they have the sign. And so we're waiting like, hey man, just follow the sign, and follow the rules, and go. Judging them, because who knows what's going, it's not, whatever's happening in that car, in their mind, it's not worth breaking the law. Now, this is where I tell you I have to be honest with you. Now there's times, Shepard and I have built this little tradition where one or two times a week we'll go to get a smoothie after school. He likes a little strawberry banana smoothie and it's really cute, he loves it, he really gets really excited about it, and it's just a nice, cheap way to show that I love him and care for him. And so what happens is, when I'm leaving, I realize that it's much faster to take a left turn out of the parking lot. So in those moments, I'm like, you know what? Maybe that sign is a suggestion. Maybe it's okay to bend the rules a little bit when it's convenient for me. And then I become the person that everyone's yelling at and honking. I'm like, hey, I'm trying to provide for my son. You crazies, let me do this. Isn't it funny that when someone else's sin is affecting us, we judge them. But when we have to perform them, we suddenly have a very long list of why we had to do it. And we begin to defend and rationalize why it's okay. Well, I can't forgive them, Pastor Ryan, because you don't know what they've done. But they should forgive me because I was in a bad place. You see, we begin to realize that mercy is not conditional. Mercy is a posture of our life, a posture of our heart. And what I want you to see in this beatitude is that Jesus says, blessed are the merciful. What does that word blessed mean? It means that you have tapped in to unwavering happiness, unwavering joy that is based in the person of Jesus and in the real life you were created to live. So how do we remind ourselves of this posture? How do we remind ourselves that blessed are the merciful, not blessed are the vengeful? <laughs> blessed are the merciful, not blessed are, for, are those who like to give back how they've been hurt. Blessed are the merciful, who understand they can withhold and not give someone what they deserve. They can show the act of mercy. Number one is to remind ourselves how merciful God is to us. I want you to know you've been forgiven of quite a lot. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you've messed up quite a lot. If you're sitting next to your spouse, make sure you like you know, cover that a little bit with maybe a compliment or something like that. But we've messed up a lot. We've sinned, and we've got to remind ourselves how merciful God has been to us. It's so important that Jesus, when his disciples ask him how to pray, He says, hey, we're supposed to pray this, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Past tense, meaning that even before we pray, we've gotta take a quick moment and forgive those who have wronged us. For me, I've realized that the times when I'm not really experiencing or feeling God during worship or really feeling the power of my prayer and feeling like I'm in close, direct communication with God, it's because I haven't forgiven people. It's because I'm holding on to unforgiveness. It's because I'm in the back of my mind thinking about that hurtful word someone said to me or thinking about that betrayal that my, that, that, my, that friend did to me a long time ago. And I'm realizing that I need to lay those things down and simply forgive others so that I can walk in the forgiveness that God has given me. I think for a lot of us, maybe the key is before we figure out how to get back on the right track or simply follow some of these f- guidelines that Jesus has given us, maybe today the reminder and the challenge is to simply forgive somebody. Maybe God's putting someone on your heart right now, and he would say, hey, until you forgive this person, you're always going to be held back. Until you forgive this person, you're always going to be changed to that hurt. I've heard it said this way, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That's how bad it is, and it can lead to bitterness, which begins to eat us away from the inside out. And I would say, maybe God's placed someone on your heart right now. And your first reaction is, God, I can't do that. Well, I would encourage you that if God is placing it on your heart, God will help you do it. And maybe today is the day where you send a text and say, hey, I I just want to forgive you. I don't know if you know, but that really hurt me when you said this or did that. Or get on the phone or meet with someone this week. And just see how you could experience the freedom after that. Because Jesus, it was so important that he gave us stories that illustrate how key this is. In the book of Matthew, a lot of the verses that I'm going to use today come from the book written by Matthew, the disciple Matthew. Why? Because Jesus called Matthew out of a very evil life that he was living. If any disciple understood what mercy was, it was Matthew. Why? Because Matthew was a tax collector. He was a Jewish guy who had become a tax collector, meaning that his whole life was about stealing from his friends and family and turning his back on his own people and pretty much enacting the difficulties of the Roman Empire at that time, saying, hey, you didn't pay enough of your taxes, or you got to pay more, or we're going to kill you or throw you in prison. That's kind of what Matthew was leading. When Matthew was sitting in his tax collector booth, feeling honestly probably very powerful, but also very empty and weak at the same time, spiritually and emotionally, Jesus looked him in the eye and said, Matthew, come follow me, which Matthew took as he sees me and he sees through all the performance, he sees through all the success, he sees through all my hurt and the hurt that I've afflicted on others, and he wants me to follow him and be with him? I gotta say yes to that. So he experiences Jesus' mercy and then begins to write about the Beatitudes and write about this parable. See, Jesus tells this parable of a king who gathers all those who owe him money, all those who owe him a debt. Ever had someone owe you money before? Man, it just does something to you. Or you ever owed money to someone and they keep reminding you? You know, they keep sending you that Venmo notification like, hey, still waiting, been a few weeks, right? Well, the king brings all these people together and the first guy he starts with owes him somewhere near the amount of scripture and scholars would tell us three to five billion dollars. Now, that's a lot of money, to me anyway. If it's not a lot of money to you, Come talk to me after service. I got some, you know, building plans that we're trying to build a permanent space here and do some more work in the community. I just want to talk to you. I just want to talk. But to me, that's a lot of money, an unpayable amount of money. And the king looks at him and says, hey, it's forgiven. It's wiped clean. Saying to the fact that, hey, you don't owe anything. I don't want anything in return. It's completely wiped away. The balance is zero, Come on, I'd like to wake up tomorrow and look at my mortgage and see the balance is zero. How'd that happen? The lender just forgave you. Wow! This is awesome. Maybe he heard my message on mercy on Sunday. That was a joke. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, is that the king completely wipes it clean. But what happens is this guy who has just been forgiven a $5 billion amount goes to find someone who owes him the equivalent of $10,000. Now, that's a payable amount. That's an amount we could, you know, do some Dave Ramsey financial peace plans and figure out how to get that debt paid. But the guy is so angry with this person who owes him $10,000 that he beats him up, he's vicious towards him. He says, you better pay me back or this is going to be what life is like for you. But somehow the king hears this, and he brings the guy who had been forgiven the billion-dollar amount and says, how dare you not extend the same forgiveness and mercy that I showed you? How dare you hold, on, hold someone to a debt that was way less than what you had been forgiven of? And the parable tells us that the king throws this guy in jail and casts him out of his presence. And Jesus is really enforcing us to, ro- to remember that he really does not like people who don't show mercy. He really does not like when people don't show and, and offer the same forgiveness they've been given. Because I want you to know that the sins and payment that we owe Jesus, more than a billion dollar amount, because no amount of money or anything could earn it, you were given it freely. And he says, give it freely to others. Because here's something I want you to understand. If we think we can earn God's forgiveness, we make others earn our forgiveness. I honestly think that a lot of the way we posture our life towards God is the way we posture our life towards others. And if we begin to posture our life in this way that we think, okay, if I just get back to church a little bit and say the right things and be a good person, then God will forgive me. That's not how it works. Not because God is wanting anything else from us but our life. And if our good works earned forgiveness, then why, oh why, would God send his son to die for us? If, it, if we just could just earn it, why would God give the most valuable thing that he has, his son? We can never earn it. And it's been given to you and me freely. And that is what God has encouraged us to do to those around us. Is it easy? No. <laughs> but living the life that Jesus has illustrated for us and embodied for us isn't easy. But it's the only way to live. It's the way that changes the world. It's the way that changes us. And see, what what you'll see as you grow up is that culture just naturally does the easy thing. Yeah, it's easy. That person did something I disagree with, they hurt me, I'm just gonna hurt them back. And that's become, that began as something that we learn in elementary school is wrong, but now it goes right through adulthood. That if I don't agree with you, I'm not talking to you. If you hurt me, I'm cutting you off. And that's just not a good way to live. Because we remember, we can't earn God's forgiveness. We've been given it freely, so we give it freely to others. Here's the second thing this is a little bit more intense, but I think it's really important, is that remember we will all face God one day. I have a lot of different things that I'm called to do as a pastor, but there's one really important one. The first thing is to help you see that there is a God who loves you so much so that he sent his son to live and die and conquer death so you could be forgiven and set free and to remind you and to encourage you that you can have a relationship with Jesus. One of the big things that maybe we don't talk about a lot is that the one constant in all of our lives is that at one day, hopefully very far from now, we will die. And when we die, we will face God someday. We will stand before him. And as a pastor, I want you to know that's coming. And I want to give you the life, and I want to give you the wisdom, and I want to give you the understanding so you don't have to be afraid of that moment. In James 2.13, here's what he says. You must show mercy to others or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. See, I want you to know that day is coming and we can begin to live our life in a surrendered way, stewarding the life God's given us so we don't have to be afraid of that moment. Because here's the thing, when we face God, he will ask us two questions. The first one is who did you say Jesus was? Did you, give you, did you say he was my son? Did you give your life to him? Did you ask for his forgiveness in your life? Because it was the only way I could get it to you was through Jesus. But the second question that we may forget about is then God will ask us, what did you do with that? Did you hold it to yourself? Was it just a thing you did on Sundays? Or did it completely influence, affect, and change your life? To where it impacted your Monday through Saturday as well. Because when we face God, I simply want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I want God to look through the times where it would have been easy to be bitter and hold unforgiveness, but the times I showed mercy. And I want you to know, as local city church, we want people to know that God is always accessible. God is always approachable. And in Jesus' time, the way he would show this is he would do things like the Beatitudes and he would serve people and he would teach them about the love of God and the forgiveness of God. He would not beat them over over the head with truth. He would serve them and care for them and let them know, hey, this is what's available to you. And I want you to know, as local city church, we may not always get it right. Actually, I can promise you, we will not always get it right. If you're looking for a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. I heard that a long time ago. Thought it was good. We're not a perfect church. But I will commit and promise you this, that when it comes to teaching the things that we do and the Sunday experiences that we offer in our small groups, in our kids area, if there's one thing that's true that we're gonna give ourselves to is that we are always going to fail on the side of loving too much rather than judging too harshly. I want you to write that down today. That we will stand before God having loved too much and not having judged too harshly. There's only one judge and it's Jesus, not me. It's only one judge, and it's our heavenly father, God, because he is all righteous, all powerful, the one who created us. So as a church, hey, we're gonna love you. We're gonna care for you. We're not gonna shy away from the truth. But I want you to understand, you're not gonna walk in and be judged by us, but you will stand before God one day. We wanna love you and care for you and nurture this life that you've been given. Why? Because our ministry is one of mercy. I remember as a youth pastor, kids would always come up to me and say, hey, Ryan, I wanna do what you do. I want to be a youth pastor someday. And I would say, ah, you guys are crazy. I know you only see like the fun that we get to do to go to, uh, you know, Universal Studios and Adventure Island and we get to go on mission trips and it's all great, but ministry is not this thing that you get to do all this cool stuff. You do, it's a byproduct. But what does minister and ministry ultimately mean? That I have said my life is all about serving God and serving others. That's what my life's all about. That's why it's hard. That's why ministry is difficult, but we're all in a ministry. Just because it's my job doesn't mean that I'm any more called to it than you are. And the biggest thing we can realize is that when we place our lives, our jobs, our relationships, our hurt and brokenness in the hands of God and realize, God, what can I do to serve you and serve others? Because you have loved me more than I deserved it. And you've shown me so much mercy. It begins to be what we're called to. And I love this verse from the prophet Micah. Micah chapter six, verse eight, it says this. No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's kind of been clearly laid out for us. And C.S. Lewis tells us why mercy is so important is because to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. And here's here's what I want you to understand today. That God has forgiven the inexcusable in my life and in your life. The times we've turned our back on him, the times that we've questioned him, the times that we've just done our own thing and left him in the dust. Some of that's inexcusable. Imagine if someone laid down their life for you and gave everything, and their reaction, or your reaction to that was, eh, I got my own thing. And they've given up so much. Well, Jesus gave his life. He paid the cost we couldn't pay. And man, the, the times when I've turned my back on that, it's inexcusable, but God forgave it. And I don't know your story. I don't know what you've walked through. And here's some freedom I want to give you today, because I know today's big, is that mercy and forgiveness, those are one-way streets. Reconciliation is a two-way street. And what I mean by that is that, listen, the two-way street of reconciliation, there is some or that's all on the other party too, to come towards you as well and reconcile. But mercy and forgiveness is a one-way street, saying, you know what, whatever you do, if you never say you're sorry, if you never realize how much you hurt me, I am going to show you mercy, and I'm going to forgive you, because I cannot walk in this prison anymore. I cannot be filled up by this bitterness anymore. I've got to lay it down. I've got to trust God. I've got to realize that blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown mercy. So I forgive you. I let it go. And I know it's been hard. It's been difficult, and it's real, but I forgive you, because it's a one-way street and I'm making that decision today because I'm not going to walk in that prison any day further or one mile farther. Come on. That's what we can be challenged to today. God's forgiven the inexcusable in me. And man, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that I, I, I look to a God who is first to forgive and remind me who he is and who I am in his eyes. So with all this, say this is great, Ryan, it's hard, it's difficult stuff, I get it, but where do I go from here? Well, let me give you a few things, and especially the direction that this mercy goes, is who do we show mercy to? That's a great question, because sometimes we can see this and like, oh, I am a merciful person. Well, to who? Uh, People who are nice to me? Well, that doesn't really work. I am merciful. Well, to who? To people who agree with me? Well, okay, Still. Doesn't really work. I want to give you the direction that mercy goes, and this is the way Jesus postured his life is number one is to those who make mistakes. We're not perfect. Turn to the person next to you, just whisper to them, tell them, hey, you're not perfect. Once again, if it's your spouse, maybe turn the other way. All right. (laughs) Turn to the person on the other side. We're not perfect. Thank God we're not perfect. Because that means the standard is not perfection. Because we all make mistakes. My son, Shepard, he's four and a half years old. He makes a lot of mistakes, but I love him so much. And sometimes his mistakes make me love him even more because he's just so goofy and fun. And sometimes he doesn't do the right thing. And that's okay. I show mercy to him because I love being his dad. I love being his dad way more than I love being the judge. (laughs) And see, God loves loves being your father way more. And for us, it's to realize that, man, people are gonna make mistakes in my life and I cannot hold them to this standard of perfection because God doesn't hold me to that standard. People make mistakes. Just like my, just like my whole story in the beginning, right? Like, and when it's convenient, I'm gonna turn left and not follow the thing of that sign. But when someone else does it, hey! Now here's what this looks like. I thought about, I always like to give you an example. Here's what this looks like when we're not merciful to people who make mistakes, right? Like the whole sign thing. Like I look at them and I'm pointing the the finger at them. Like, hey, you're breaking the law. Not following that sign. You're speeding. Hey, slow down. I got my kid in the back seat. Realizing that, I'll be honest, I go over the speed limit sometimes. I've turned left when I'm not supposed to. I'm a lawbreaker and I'm pointing at them and saying, you're breaking the law, but look at me. God's like, hey, why don't you look in the mirror for a second? I think about times when I've been so upset that someone stole something from me, whether they stole my trust or betrayed me or, or maybe they actually did steal something from me. Like, I'm pretty sure this past week, I was, it was my first ever experience of some sort of Amazon box pirate coming through and taken from my, I was mad. But then in my life, I'm like, you know, I'm a thief too. I stole a candy bar when I was six from the gas station and I'm still thinking about it. I'm a thief, I've messed up. So i got to realize when I'm pointing the finger, there's already a sign and a label on my head that I'm a thief too. When I think about the, the way that people have, people have lost I've, they've lost my trust because they've lied to me. Say, you lied to me. You said you were going to be there and you weren't there. God, you lied to me. I don't feel like you're with me right now. Or, that person said they'd be my friend through thick and thin and the first sign of a storm, they ran away. And I called them a liar and say you're good for nothing, but really, so am I. Because I've said I'd be there for people. i would said I would forgive them. I've said hurtful things that are lies about others. And so I want you to see this goofy picture of me having this on my head right now. This is what life looks like. This is what culture looks like. When all we want to do is cast hate and move away from people. Jesus says, let him who has the first stone, let him who hath no sin cast the first stone. I love that story because Jesus looks at this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery and he pretty much looks her condemners right in the face and says you got any sin on you Well, you do because I can write down some sin I can write down the names of the people that you have been unfaithful with and and the condemners run away and it's just her and Jesus and Jesus looks at her and says I don't condemn you go and sin no more People are gonna make mistakes and we need to realize that the first posture of Jesus is I don't condemn you, go and sin no more. See, God demonstrates his own love for us while in this, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for you and me. Man, if there is a verse I want you to take away from today, it's that one, because it's like my favorite verse. Because when I feel broken, when I feel like I'm beating myself down, when I feel like, again, I'm getting in that natural tendency to wanna earn God's love, God says, hey, it's not about that. It's because Jesus gave his life for you while you were still sinners, while you were still broken, while you were still messed up. There was nothing you could do to get out of that pit and still Jesus gave his life for you. So my mercy is towards those who make mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. One of the things that shepherd does sometimes when he makes a mistake is he gets so sad. He gets so guilty. All the tears start flowing and he says, oh, I've ruined it. I'm like shepherd, it's okay, buddy. We can get a new piece of paper and do a new drawing. We can put the Legos back together. Nothing is ruined when you put your life in the hands of Jesus. Nothing is ruined when you trust God first and foremost. Nothing is ruined when you live life from the posture of mercy rather than the posture of revenge and judging and hurt and anger. Second thing is this, is that who do we show mercy to? Those who let us down. I don't know who it was in your life that let you down whether it was your mom, your dad, your family, whether it was a friend, whether it was your spouse, I don't know who let you down, but you gotta forgive them because the only life it's destroying is yours. People will let us down because it's just what people do. And the example we follow is Jesus's. Who Listen, you're here today, you're breathing, you're alive, which tells me that Jesus has had a deeper level of forgiveness he had to show people. One of the last things Jesus says when he's been nailed to the cross and people are casting insults at him, he's up on a cross, can't breathe, bleeding, dying. In Luke 23, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. The guy's about to die, he is dying. And he realizes, God, I know they've let us down here, but forgive them, please. Jesus' heart was always open, was always ready to forgive, and that's the posture I want to live my life with, and here's why, where I got the title of the message today. It's written by a guy named Max Lucado. This quote comes from one of his books about the Beatitudes. He says, unfaithfulness is wrong. Revenge is worse, but the worst part of it all is that without forgiveness, bitterness is all that is left. I want you to be empty of bitterness today and full of blessing. I want you to be empty of those things that have been hurting you and full of the things that god has that can heal you and restore you and bring you into that full life the third thing is this where do we show mercy to to those who are far from god it's what we do every single sunday our home team that gets here to set everything up we're here to say hey god's impacted our life and changed our life and we're here to serve jesus said it himself i did not come to be served but to but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many you see those people are far from God and in Matthew chapter 9 Jesus says this now go and learn the meaning of this scripture I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous but those who know they're sinners this story comes from right after Jesus calls Matthew to follow him Matthew throws a big party at his house I love that because it's cool to party with Jesus sometimes, all the time. And Jesus steps into this house and the religious leaders say, how dare this guy who teaches about God hang out, they use this word, such scum. How does he, why does he hang out with sinners? Why is he a friend of these types of people? And Jesus stops them in their tracks and says, verse, chapter nine, verse 13. Hey, you gotta go learn the meaning of this. I just want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Life following Jesus, the life of the Beatitudes, man, I love Sunday morning church. I love experiencing God, and I love being able to share God's word with you. But on Monday, tomorrow, if you're still angry at that coworker, or if you lash out at that person on the road, and you're not showing mercy, man, that's what God wants of us. He doesn't need or want sacrifices or religious stuff. He wants the byproducts of a healthy, life-giving, surrendered relationship with Him, which is realizing, yeah, that person's wronged me, but you know what? I'm going to forgive them. Just as God has forgiven me because they may be far from God and I may be be able to help them see who Jesus is. I may be able to help them see the God that loves me. I don't want them to see my anger or my frustration or my unforgiveness. I want to show them mercy. So just maybe through that mercy, I can show them who Jesus is in my life and what he's done for me. And I can bring them into the house where they can see life with Jesus is full of joy. It's a party. It's full of life and forgiveness. Come on. If you believe that today, give me a solid amen as we begin to come to a close here. What I love about Jesus is that he always connected before he corrected. And man, that's what Sundays is about. We want to connect you to God, to connect you to Jesus. And I love this idea of, I remember this story before I get to the last one. I remember this story I heard about some soldiers who are going in to rescue some prisoners of war and they walk into the the prison area and the encampment where the prisoners are and the soldiers walk up to the cage and all the prisoners inside the cage are fearful and in, in the corner because all they've known is hurt all they've known is abuse all they've known is do this do that beat and beaten and abused and harmed so that they can't even trust anyone and what happens is what I heard in this story is that there's this soldier, he lays his gun down, he lays his armor down, he takes his helmet off. He gets down to just his clothes and goes over to them and embraces them and hugs them. And says, hey, we're here for you. We're here to help you, whatever it takes. And I want you to know that's what Jesus did for us, that he doesn't stand with a pointing finger. He says, hey, I'm here for you. And I wanna help you and I wanna lead you into freedom. I wanna lead you out of this place. So we show mercy to those who have made mistakes, those who let us down, those who are far from God because we want to help them see God. And here's the last one. I, as I was preparing for this message, I stumbled upon a church who did a church-wide survey, thousands of people. And they said, hey, who is the hardest person in your life to forgive? I asked that question, just write in anyone. Who is the hardest person to forgive? And they said the results were kind of astonishing, something they didn't expect in a ratio of three to one. People wrote that the hardest person to show mercy to, write this down, is to ourselves. The hardest person to show mercy to is to ourselves. And I think that sometimes the reason that we feel so distant from God is because we haven't forgiven ourselves. The reason that we're so angry towards others is because we haven't shown any mercy to our, towards ourselves. We haven't let ourselves make mistakes, we haven't let ourselves let us down. we got to cut ourselves a break. That's what God does. And this, I love this verse from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13 and 15. I'll close with this verse. This is written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was a horrible person before coming to know Jesus. He killed Christians. He threw them in prison. He was very abusive with the law and very abusive religious person. And He has an amazing encounter with Jesus and he begins to plant churches and raise up young leaders like Timothy. And here's what he says in chapter 1, verse 13. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. And this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. See, I think that's an important phrase to say and to read into. I love that it Paul says it's a trustworthy saying. Jesus came into the world to save sinners, to rescue the lost and the broken. And guess what? I was the worst of them. And he still did it for me anyway. I don't have enough cards to put all over my face to let you know how broken and how sinful and how inexcusable I am in the eyes of God. But in that moment, when I was in the darkest place, when I could do nothing to get out of it, it was there in my worst moments while I was still dead in my sin that Jesus stepped down, pulled me out of that darkness, forgave me, set me free, wrapped me in his arms saying, I'm here for you. I love you. Come on, forgive yourself because I want to forgive you and show you who you are. And I'm going to lead you into the life that I have for you. No more bitterness, no more unforgiveness, just mercy and blessing because that's the full life Jesus has invited us to live. Blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. If you believe that today, if you're thankful for that, come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise. Let's thank Him for that today. And would you stand to your feet with me as we close?